Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Uh, I want to welcome everyone listening to us on the King's Cast. Here's part two of our suffering series. The third area where we gain insights from the Bible about suffering would simply be this. And this may be a comfort, it may be a frustration, but I think it's a biblical insight that God works with suffering. That's very different to saying God creates it. That's very different to saying God sends it. But he works with it. Yesterday, Jane and I were watching a, a TV show where a guy had to have his appendix out. But it wasn't Holby. It wasn't uh, whatever the other one is, casualty. It wasn't ER. They were on a desert island. So the doctor took out this guy's It was only a movie, but Jane's like watching it through her fingers. You know, I've said, it's only tomato sauce. It's not blood. Yeah, but I don't like it. And they cut out this guy's appendix on this island. And of course, they didn't have the right stuff. They didn't have the emergency room stuff or whatever it's called. Um, Many of you I know are connected with Adam Brooks, and so I will hold back from using any technical terms, lest I seem foolish. But she just got a knife, and she just sorted him out. That wasn't the ideal But she worked with it. She was using little bits of bamboo. And oh my. Obviously had an effect on me, didn't it? She worked with what she had. And God does the same. God works with what he has. Here are a few things, the way that I think God works with suffering. Number one is that sometimes people who are in pain draw near to God. Now, I know that sometimes people who are in pain leave God's uh, presence. I know that some people who have bad times, that's when they quit church and they quit their faith and things like this. So I'm aware that that, that that happens. But also, it's also Christian experience that people who go through hard times begin to draw near to God as well. And of course, this is the will of God. This is what God wants. A young man in a former church of mine uh, decided to leave the, leave the Christian faith. And then he, a few months later, he found himself with cancer. He's only like a teenage guy, late sort of teenage years. And he found himself coming back to the Lord. Not, God didn't send him the cancer. But through the, through the pain and through the difficulty, it made him think about life and he came back to God. So these things can happen. Number two here is that suffering from the Bible's perspective, and I think from our perspective too, can refine human behavior. In uh, Hebrews, a little passage we read earlier, chapter 12 and 7 to 11, in, endure hardship as discipline. The Bible says that some of the difficulties we face, we should think of them 
as, as though it's discipline to refine us. And like the Bible says here, no one likes it at the time. No one likes having to struggle through a sickness. No one likes struggling through depression. No one wants to grieve. No one wants to have a broken heart. Nobody wants that. But the Bible says to us that there are times when it might be applicable for us just to say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just treat this as a kind of a life test. I know it's an old slogan, but many people want a testimony, but they don't want any tests. You don't have a testimony without a test. That's not possible. I know, I know I'm just playing with words here, but many people give testimonies, but they have no test. I don't know why we call it a testimony. Let's just call it money. Because there's, no, there's not been a test. Really, in its, in its true sense, and I know I'm, just, I'm playing with the English language, I know, but a testimony comes out of the result of having endured some tests. In First uh, Peter chapter 1, please just look at that. Let's look at this. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 6. He talks about the, the, the whole book of First Peter is about suffering. And he talks here about all the troubles they've had. And, you know, when we talk about, can I just say this, when we talk about Bible people having trouble, we don't mean that the Wi-Fi wasn't very good. We don't mean that the uh, they were getting calls from PPI insurance. We don't mean that. We don't mean that the TV reception wasn't very good. We mean they had real troubles. We mean they were being physically assaulted. Friends of theirs have been killed for their faith. So uh, let's just get a perspective on that. Um, he says, verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, talking about the, their uh, Christian faith, Though now, for a little while, verse 6, 1 Peter 1, verse 6, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise. God is not mean. God is not nasty. But sometimes it's good to know if we really have got faith or not, isn't it? If everything goes well, you have no need for any faith. When things don't go so well, then we discover, where, am I, where are my roots here? Am I stood on the rock or not? Now, I'm, not, I'm talking about me as well as anyone else here. When we have difficulties... We have to ask ourselves, am I, am, I, am I a man of faith or not? And you don't get to ask that question if everything goes well. You don't have to believe God for any money if you've got all the money. You don't have to believe God to help you, heal you, or carry you through sickness if you're always permanently well. You don't have to believe God to give you more patience or more endurance if everyone around you is just lovely to you all the time. You don't have to believe God for anything if every door you go towards just opens and you just keep walking through them. 
I remember when I was a kid, the idea that you could walk towards a door and it would open in front of you, you know, that was Captain Kirk did that. Now everywhere you go, the door just opens for you. I was walking towards Tesco the other day. I said, Jane, watch this. See how anointed I am. And as I walked towards it, I I did a Benny Hinn. I did that. And it opened up. Well, but life ain't like that, is it? Plenty of locked doors. Plenty of doors that aren't opening. The Word of God says this. That when the troubles come, what's supposed to happen, and I know for me and for you sometimes it doesn't happen, but what's supposed to happen is our faith is proved genuine then. Except sometimes our faith is proved fraudulent then. Because we go to pieces. Or we blame this or blame that or what's God doing? Uh, Particularly, get very frightened when I hear Christians say things like, what's God doing? Who do you think you are? We have to have a fear of God. And if the Christianity we have today is like a McDonald's where you just show up, press a button and you come out with your blessed burger, then we got the wrong gospel. We got the wrong gospel. The truth is, I may not like this, This may not be very comfortable for me, but God can do whatever he wants to do with me. Because he's God and I'm not. And it's not for me to uh, raise my fist to God. That's what Satan wanted Job to do. So when the troubles come, it's supposed to show that our faith is genuine. That's what's supposed to happen. That's why Jesus said we have to put his words into practice when the storm isn't there. So when the storm comes, we find ourselves on rock rather than sand. I have to accept that God wants to change my character. And I have to accept that he will do that in any way that seems pleasing to him rather than to me. I could say to God, Lord, you know what would really change me is if I came into a million dollars tonight. And God might think that there's another way to change me. Suffering can sometimes release God's purpose. Romans 8, 28, you know, don't you? God works everything together for good. I want to uh, be sure we know it correctly. It says God works all things together for good. It doesn't say all things work together for good. It says God works all things together for good. That's slightly different. All things work together for good suggests that everything goes well. But God works all things together for good. says God knows where I am. He's got CCTV on me. He knows the pain I'm in. He knows the trips to the doctor I'm taking. He knows the trips to the counselor I'm taking. He knows where I'm at. God's got, C- God's got more CCTV than the city of London. And they got a lot. God's got more CCTV than the Metropolitan Police. I was told by someone recently there's hardly a place you can go in Cambridge where you're not being filmed. In which case, hello. <laughs> 
soon be here. No, God works things for good. At the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph turns to those brothers who betrayed him and hurt him. And he says to them, what you intended to be harmful, God has made to be good. Amazing. What a thing that is. There are people out to get you. At some point in life, there there are things that are going to go wrong. But God will work it for good. That's why we sing hallelujah. Whatever the doctor says, whatever the bank manager says, God will work it for good. God will work it for good. He knows where I am. He knows where I'm at. He's got my postcode. God will work it for good. The problem with God is we say, God, are you going to just hurry up and work it for good soon? But maybe the very time when we're in the fire is actually the best time. The Bible does, after all, say we go through the valley of death. Many times when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, we're looking out for God's helicopter to come and get me out of this valley. But no, we go through it. We go through it. If it was up to your mate, you'd get out of it. If it was up to you, you'd get out of it. If it was up to your dad or your mum or your best friend, they would get you out of it. Any problem you had, they would get you out of it. You got a debt, they'd come, your friend would come and get you out of it. You had, a, you had heartache, you had illness, your friend would come, they would get you out of it. If they could. And that's why God is not the genie from Aladdin. Where you say, look, I just want to ask you for these things. Just get me out of everything. <laughs> but that's not how it works. You know that. But I guess what I'm trying to say is this is in the Bible as well. There's nothing gone wrong with the gospel. There's nothing gone wrong with the word of God. He turns to these brothers in Genesis 15 verse 20. He says, although you meant this for harm, God meant it for good. And finally here, God compensates sufferers. It's a really interesting thought. But it is found all the way through the Bible. So this is, we've had a bit of gloom time. Now we're going to get happy now. Because God compensates. What do we mean? We mean that God, when we stay faithful to him, he rewards us. This is a theme found throughout the Bible. Now, sometimes he rewards us on earth, and sometimes he rewards us in heaven. But he is a rewarder. In the case, I've just given two Old Testament examples here on the screen. Joseph and Job. Both went through, Joseph of the Old Testament, both went through difficulties. Both ended up happier than ever at the end. But at the time, at the time, what do you think Job's tweets would have looked like? I suspect, oh happy day, was not among them. At the time, it was very difficult. But God compensated them. Joseph became a ruler. Job had more than ever than he had before at the end. So God may compensate. 
Things can go wrong that can catapult you into God's purposes. You know, God might have been wanting you to move work for ages. Ages, but you won't move. So then the company employ that new woman and you're out of there within six months. God uses things, doesn't he, to, to move us along. Sometimes uh, God is perfectly happy for us to have a few days in hospital. Nothing's gone wrong. But God might want to talk to us. And sometimes the only place God can talk to us is where you're lying on your back and there's no way you're paying that amount of money for the telly. Can you say amen? Yeah. Remember one time I was pastoring in Torquay and I was very ill for a number of months. And, uh, but uh, at the heat of it, about five weeks. It was the first few weeks of uh, the year uh, 2000. And uh, when I came back out of that, I was really on fire. I'd, I'd, I'd had revival. And I'm, I mean it. And I say, all oh, the glory to God. I had not done anything. I hadn't done anything. But God gave me a revival in my little bedroom on that street there. Spoke to me and then, you know, poured himself into me, blessed me. It was amazing. And I came back to preaching and someone said at the end of the service, they said, there was fire in your eyes. Well, maybe there was no such thing, but what they meant was that it was so strong. What, where had I been? To the revival in America? To the, to the great moving of the Holy Spirit in Argentina? No, I'd been in 17 Sherburne Close in the bedroom. That's where I've been. Tickets available. Where God had met me in that bed. So God works his purposes. I know I'm jumping around with these. God compensates. Let's look at so these verses here. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul now writing about compensation. But not compensation that he anticipated would occur in the next few days. But compensation that would occur when he got to meet with the Lord in heaven. And he says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What he said was, the problems I've got today, and by the way, read the Apostle Paul's life story and see what he means by suffering. He means uh, being shipwrecked. He means being a night and a day in the sea, hanging onto a plank. He means receiving 39 lashes to his back on a number of occasions. He means, as a missionary, uh, not having enough food to eat. That's, that's what he means. But even he, in all that difficulty, and of course he wasn't very well at times, as we read in Galatians. He says, I consider, and it is something you have to consider, something you have to make your mind do. 
our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the coming glory. He's not talking about that's going to happen to him in the next few days. He's talking about when he dies. I might be struggling now, but I'm on my way to heaven. One young man in an Anglican church had problems with his back from a very young age. And the church was praying for him. He wasn't by any means fully healed, but he was getting a bit better. And one time the vicar interviewed him on the stage of the church and said, how many operations have you had now for your back? And he told, I don't know how many it was, a number of operations. And the vicar dared to ask the question that maybe other people were thinking. He turned to him and he said, you know, how do you feel about God and you and this? You know, are you upset with God? And the young man, fast as anything, said, oh no. He said, I may have been in hospital X amount of times. He said, but God has got all of eternity to make it up to me. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes. He's got all of eternity to make it up to me. Whatever difficulties I might face now, whatever hardships I might face now, God has got all of eternity to make it up to me. I don't consider that my current sufferings are worth um, comparing. I shouldn't even put them on a chart together, says the apostle. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, where he says something similar. Let's see these in our Bibles. In 2 Corinthians, the whole of 2 Corinthians is about Paul's suffering and struggling. When he says, when the Apostle Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay, he's talking about himself. And he, uh, he writes there, verse 16 of chapter 4, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For, verse 17, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What's the paraphrase of that? God has got all of eternity to make it up to me. Now let's look at this final one. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. The last few chapters of the Bible and here we are in chapter 21, 3 and 4. The word of God says this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. When will God do that? He will do that then. Today, you may well cry your tears. 
Today, you may well have to wipe your own tears from your own face. But then, God himself will wipe the tears from your eyes. Isn't it interesting what it doesn't say? It doesn't say God will tell you to pull yourself together. In heaven now, you know. God doesn't say, there's nothing to cry about. No, he takes them. He comforts them. The writer goes on to say, John says, there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Just as we just, we're going to finish. But I just want to ask you to, as we conclude, I want you to think about yourself. Think about your own life, your own For some, your current scenario. For others, former scenarios, former times. I wonder if we can be grown up enough, mature enough to say, Lord, I know that no matter what I've been through, these light and momentary troubles are achieving for me a glory that far outweighs them all. The charismatic church of which I am a part, so I'm sort of being a little critical of of myself and my own. This isn't a slur against any movement, but the charismatic church, the modern charismatic church, has so concentrated on God blessing you now that it is almost completely omitted the fact that one day we're going to go to heaven. But we've become so consumeristic and so desiring to be blessed now. It's like in the old days, all the hopes were in heaven and the pendulum swung. No, God heals today. God blesses today. And by the way, he really does. But don't let that pendulum swing too far in that other direction. One day, everyone will be completely healed. One day, everyone will be completely happy. One day, everyone will have their tears wiped away as God welcomes his people, those who know him, of course, into his eternal city. And God has got all of eternity to make it up to you and to me. This year, by far, it's been the worst year of my whole life. It's been the worst year of my life. But you're not my therapist, so I won't say any more. And for some of you, that's your story too. The difficulties you face. But God's got all of eternity to make it up to me. 
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.